As much as I like to fight everyone, yeah, yeah. I'm having a pretty good time here. Why you mad? Why you mad? Why you Why mad? You mad? Hey, Louisa. What's up? Hi, Jake. Hi, hi, hi. How's it going? I'm good. Uh, like, I was just describing, like, like a perfect level of drunk, I think, to podcast. So, listening back, I'll either realize that was an accurate statement or, like, I was completely misdiagnosing myself, which happens sometimes with alcohol. But I think I'm yeah. right in the zone. Like, I could bowl a perfect game right now, and I could also make a perfect podcast. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'm the best person to ask, because I think every episode I'm like, yeah, I'm right in the zone, and then I'm not always in the zone, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, I'm not always in the zone. But I, I actually feel a little bit in the zone today, so let's talk, even though I don't actually have topics, because uh, we were supposed to have a guest today, and the guest couldn't make it, which is totally fine. People have things to do that are more important than podcasts, but I don't give a shit. Uh, and yet, here we are, like heroes, still making you a podcast. <laughs> Well, I still I still have stuff that I anytime yeah. we don't have a guest, I'm like, that's okay. I had three or four things that I was like, I got fucking why you mad this. So like yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't worry, we're good. And also with, yeah. the, with the drunk stuff, I you know, it's interesting. Part mm. of what happens on this show that's very funny to me is that you you sometimes are confronted for the first time with like performer dilemmas, right? Yeah. This is a thing I figured out years ago because comedy happens in bars and i that's part of the reason i do it is i work in them and hanging out in them or whatever like yeah. you you everyone has a relationship with substances who does comedy whether it is that they like them a lot or don't think about it or like them so much that they have to be sober and then they like give their drink tickets yeah. away or whatever for me one of the biggest things the that like with stand-up that i had to I had to figure out is um get drunk after the show but like but there's this right. like two beer range where i'm like i think it actually makes you better at like, stand up like you could shoot yeah. a game of pool better or something like that in the zone yeah in the zone yeah uh actually that's funny you say that because i think maybe what you're getting at kind of points to the fact that uh, a lot of times what i'm why i'm uncomfortable in like comedy world is because in my real job, I don't drink while I'm doing my real job. You know what I mean? So yeah. my relationship with substances is that I do them recreationally. So literally after work, <laughs> you know, and to have fun. And so then when I find myself like already two whiskeys in and like holding a whiskey and there's a person like networking at me because to them we're at work. And to me, I'm like being recreational right now. <laughs> it makes me really mad. But then I realized, like, oh, but this is, like, their place of business. This is what sucks. That's, like, I think that's the root of why I don't feel like I'm industry. Because I don't see this as work. <laughs> like, I yeah. just want to be <laughs> hanging out with you guys. And well, the people that really... Comedy shows. I mean, that's interesting, though. Because yeah. the people that really freak me out and bother me in comedy are the people who show up to do a show at a dive bar at midnight and are not drinking. And they're like, no, this is work. Like, I have a checklist <laughs> of, I have a little trapper keeper of open mics that you can do yeah, in yeah. New York, and I'm checking off all these boxes, I'm doing all these things or whatever. And it's fucked up, because sometimes those people are very successful at this, um, but it bones me out when they're not, because then it's like, why would you go to that trouble? And then not, like, no, fuck you. Like, the, the, 
I, I do not see comedy as a thing that like you should treat like that. Like I think that it is something that is that should joyful. be woven into your social. Well, yeah. Stuff. Well, but you're kind of saying actually, I, I want to say you're kind of leaning towards my whole like decompartmentalization idea, right? Of like not treating spaces like work is work and whatever, like you know. You, yeah. One like, comedy shouldn't be something that you compartmentalize as work, and that's only happens there. I've been thinking about this um, yeah. in a really specific way lately because I've been trying to pitch the idea of uh, comedy co-op around and i've also right. in order to do that have been ha- being confronted with people that are immediately brain frazzled by it and they go yeah no it'll never work because you can't have comedians that you know there's so many of them and they're all so crazy and i always uh, it's weird like there's 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 not like labor um uh language for what like something yeah. like being a stand-up comedian is and i'm really trying to articulate it and it's been a fucking troubling time because it's I don't think anyone's done this yet, or at least there's, I haven't found anything that I've been able to like grab onto and show people like, no, this is what I mean. And so like an analogy I've been using is, um, here's how I think comedy is and isn't labor at the same time is, um, imagine we're talking about skateboarders, like people that go to a skate park and then they play with their skateboards and they learn how to do kickflips and shit and and fucking you know skate in the bowl and all that stuff so the first time you do that it isn't labor like you are playing at a thing for fun it's recreation you know you're doing mm-hmm. it after your job but the point you're you might be trying to get to not everyone is uh but sometimes people get so good at it that then they like uh, make a video and they get sponsored by like yeah. a shoe company and then it becomes labor right and so for some people that's the point but that's what's so confusing about comedy for people is that there's like a bunch of us who literally are just the guy with the skateboard who showed up and was like i just like this i just want to skate yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and you might even be yeah. that guy might even get paid eventually because you're like well i'm so good at it mm-hmm. because i just like to do it and i do it all the fucking time and someone literally comes up to me and is like hey i got a job for you yep but then there's also these fucking nerds who show up with none of the joy of like i love skateboarding they're just like <laughs> i heard this could be a job so day yeah. one I'm, and i am technically good at it yeah or like i'm going to <laughs> like, try to become yeah, i don't technically enjoy good it and you know i don't seem like i enjoy it while i'm doing it but i am technically good at it <laughs> it's just like a person who's just like i i don't want a normal job so like i'm going yeah. to try to do this as hard as possible and if i sit here and apply like malcolm gladwell ten thousand hours bullshit to yeah. it and do it over and over and over over again i bet i can do the thing that you guys are doing on accident like on purpose and it's so confusing because sometimes they do it and it's like well you can't say they didn't do it like good for them but also i don't like them i don't i want to hang out with. i know and can i tell you something what's most messed up is that oftentimes those people are also the people that can replicate it consistently for like different audiences so they can they are what will be seen as a consistent comic because they like you said they come in and they're like that thing you do by accident because you're naturally good at it i know how to do it on purpose so they come in and they know how to do it on purpose even though it's like joyless but they understand how to do the formula so they will get on tv and they will get on festivals and they will get you know because yeah they're like it's a cat like it's a fabrication of 
content, basically. It's not really a performance that could go haywire at any at any point. Yeah. You know? No, it's I mean it's you know Yeah. It's pan uh pandering's not the word. I also don't dislike these people as much as I dislike like no, what me they're either. doing. Like I'm yeah. just like the fact that that's how they think about it bums me out because yeah. I'm like a work to live person, not a live to work person. Exactly. And I think it's the other exactly. way around. But um I don't know. I mean but but it but if that's how you feel about no that's I guess that's why I'm saying I you're good. I like the way you that you approach comedy because it shouldn't be soulless like that. Well, okay. So let me make a weird fucking crossover here. Let's talk about MMA. <laughs> nice. <laughs> this this should please the chuds who hate us who for some reason are still <laughs> listening to this podcast. But I learned an interesting fact this week, Jake, which is that um MMA athletes, they basically like make no fucking money from their really friends. like they go into debt, right? Because then like I saw one tweet with some data and then I like dug into it. And basically, the way that they work is boxers are also like this because my dad used to sponsor like like uh, featherweight boxers, so I, I did know this. Cool. So they basically need somebody to pay for like their gym time and for the fact that they need to not have a job so that they can be in the gym working out and do, you know what I mean? Oh wow! Like kind of like graduate students yeah, <laughs> or like or artists, like, like they need, need patron, to be subsidized. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, um, that should happen be... more in stand up, but it should be with external people other than just yes. your parents, club owners, or parents. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It should be something, but, but it leads to bad things too, like it does in boxing and apparently like it does in MMA, right? So, one of the things that I learned this week is that, um, the NFL, the hockey league, the basketball league, whatever they're all called, and, uh, one other one, uh, whatever. Most of them, they hover around 50% in terms of how much of their revenue from sporting events goes to the actual athletes, right? So they, they hover, I believe the NFL is like 54%, and every other one is slightly lower than that, right? Do you know how much MMA artists, I mean, sorry, MMA <laughs> athletes get from fights on average? 19% of the profits, Jake. Really? Yeah, so I made a joke on Twitter being like, oh, not a surprise that this is Libertarian's favorite sport, because it's a sport where you're, like, getting two people to fucking murder each other over <laughs> pennies while other people make money off of them. Yeah. Um, But it is the situation where, you know, like, I watched this video, there's, like, an Afro-Latina who's recently won some kind of title in MMA, and she's, like, crying because she uh basically went into debt to have, like, two different sponsors or people pay for her training and her equipment and the things she needed so she was like 20 grand in debt so she won two championships in a row or two belts or whatever it's called and she made fifteen thousand dollars total so after winning two belts she was still five thousand dollars in the hole <laughs> you understand me yeah so it's the kind of thing like comedy where the people who want to do it are putting money up front to do it because they love it. So they're spending the gas money to get to the place, the, the train money to get to the place, uh, the hotel money if it's not provided, like all this stuff because they just want to go do their thing. And, you know, you ask, like, at what point does it become labor? And I think that under capitalism, it becomes labor when somebody's making money off of it. Yeah. And in MMA, like in comedy, 
that's the problem is that it's a bunch of people apparently who are doing it out of the love of the game, right? It's like nonprofit workers too. We're told, oh, it's because you love the cause. So you just fucking do what you gotta do. You, if you're a teacher, you buy fucking supplies out of your own pocket. It's the love of the game, man. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But then ultimately, you're just completely getting fucked. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I don't know that it is, uh, I don't know. It's confusing. Like, I used to kind of have this very, um, now that I think about it, reductive and lowbrow take on athletes where like mm-hmm. every once in a while politically, like, you know, an athlete speaks up about something and you go, well, you're a millionaire. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. You know, you're getting paid to throw a ball. Fuck off or whatever. People say that all the yeah. time about athletes. But um, I've learned a bunch of stuff like you're just describing about MMA, about like other sports. And it's like, yeah, it's so exploited. Like, it's actually, yeah, it's actually kind of cool because now you can actually properly root for athletes knowing that they're yeah. kind of like fucked in the same way that we all are. Like um, Justin Jackson NASCAR is like that, too. Justin Jackson. Yeah, exactly. NFL player. He talks about that yeah. stuff a lot about how he's like, yeah. like, it's, we don't get paid as much as you think we do. And he's a big leftist and all this stuff. Yeah. But like, um. Wait, why was I talking about that? Uh, because you normally talk, like don't recognize athletes. That's where you started. You were like, I normally try to be like, yeah, fuck it, you're a millionaire. You're, you're, yeah, so I guess whatever. so. what I'm trying to figure out now, though, is that like within the framework of something like like sport, like at at like professional sports, yeah. is there this same thing I'm describing with comedy where like there's people that get into it because they love it and then also there's like you know, people that are like grown in a lab to surpass you. Like, you know, do, are, if you're competing in like football or MMA or something, do you have some guy who gets dropped in who's like, you know, you hate you're, like, you hate him because he's just like got a bunch of money behind him and is like, I'm going to become I, the best MMA, you know, and fuck you. Well, I would say to you that football and MMA are different because I do think that. You know, it is possible to be a person like a kid who loves football and you played football in high school and junior high and you loved it and whatever the fuck. But I think most people from all the 35, 30 for 30s that I've watched and all the sports <laughs> documentaries I've watched, um, it does seem like football is now, because it has always, or at least for a hundred years now, been a profitable institution. It has also been, and specifically for black Americans, I think, black men been a, uh, one of those angles of like how to get out of a yeah, it's particular the fucking class. lottery. Yeah, exactly. It's winning the lottery, and it's a way of bringing your family and everybody out of the situation that they were in. So <laughs> I would say, you know, I've seen so many um, documentaries and stories where it's even like even at a high school age, their the motivation of these boys is not really that they love football; it's that they feel like this was God's gift to them, and they have a responsibility to turn this into a dollar and success and all these things, you know what yeah. I mean? Whereas MMA from everything that I know about it is more like boxers where it is like, uh, and NASCAR is like this also where it is a lot of <laughs> the weird, right? I know. Yeah. Listen, I don't know why I give a shit about sports, but sports are really strange, Jake. Oh, <laughs> like they are very reflective of our culture. <laughs> and it's just very strange because these three are ones where, you know, they are technically individual, sports right yeah totally you're the only guy in the nascar yeah 
Exactly. And that means it's up to you to like find a team and find a trainer and find a gym and get a car and get the training and find a space to train and have the time to train and not have to have a job so that you can go do all these things. And that means getting sponsors. And like with NASCAR, it's like literally putting logos on your body <laughs> of like all the people <laughs> that paid to make this possible. NASCAR is like so you- funny because it is like... We all laugh at the NASCAR yeah. guy because he's walking around with a bunch of logos on all over his car and his body. Mm-hmm. But, like, he'll be laughing at us in 10 years when Don't every we. person who lives in capitalism is that's the he's only way you make money. The, we are already walking around with logos on us right. all the time <laughs> that we paid for. They didn't even pay us to wear them. We paid them to wear them. You know when you go to a website and it has too many pop-up ads or whatever? It yeah. always makes me think about NASCAR because I'm like, oh, the only way to keep this fucking website going, no one ever comes to it, is it gets very little traffic. But whenever it gets traffic, it gets 20 fucking advertisements, and then that person gets fucking five dollars or whatever. Is like, yeah. well, that's that's what a guy wearing logos all over him looks like. And like, as the economy becomes worse and more stratified or whatever, isn't there some theory of this where like maybe that's just what we all have to do to make money at the end of this or whatever there's there's honestly there's like tech dorks who have conceived of that as liberating of like oh what if in the future instead of like working you just walk around and you add you you like carry data around you're a walking billboard oh you carry data yeah i've seen that yeah like farm data like Mm -hmm. by just like going for a walk in the park or whatever and like that i mean that might happen but that sucks like that's not the goal you know um, but what were you saying about NASCAR? No, no, that was it. It was just like the, um, oh, and my point just being that like the, the line of whether they're doing this for the money or not is like so much thinner in these like individual things that I mentioned, these individual sports. Yeah. Because to get it, to get into it, they usually have to go into some kind of personal debt themselves in the oh, same way that comics have to go into some personal debt. Whether it's like literally putting in your own money or honestly selling yourself to somebody who puts in the money for you to win, right? Yeah. And then you like owe them the win and that kind of shit. And to me, people who put themselves in that position, you must be doing it because you love to do this thing. Not because you think it's like a get rich quick scheme, you know what I mean? Or like a fucking way out of the ghetto or a way, you know, like it, it isn't any of those things. It's literally. I think I am really good at this, and I will fucking prove it to everyone, no matter there's, what compromises I have. There's people in comedy that talk about it like that, though. Yeah. Like, black comics that came yeah. from, like, legitimately, like, the projects and stuff. But it's but weird. That's, but that's like a Kevin Hart, you know what I mean? Like, that's like um, uh, exceptionalism. It's not actually, like, a common thing. Like, in football, I would say it's way more common than for, like, black men. Are, I'm willing to bet. Black men are more likely to become millionaires through being football players than through being stand-up comedians. Yeah. Because we can't name more than five black stand-up comedians who are billionaires. That's an interesting point numerically, because I almost want to disagree with you. I was like, wait, there's only like... There's only like a hundred comedians working at any given time, and then... Exactly. There's no way that you can name five current living millionaire black stand-up comedians like okay director does other shit and whatever stand-up comedian no you don't do that for the money (laughs) you like stand-up is not a thing you do for the money that is a shot in the fucking dark 
football player, if you're already the best one in your town and the best one in your state, that is not a shot in the dark. You are likely to get recruited. It's there's numbers behind. There's like an infrastructure I mean? like after yeah. you, after you, yeah. even if you only make it to college, your career is over. Yeah. You can become like a fucking coach or something like that. Or a fucking uh, ESPN talking head or a fucking referee. Like there's so many other things. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I don't know. Okay. Uh, but I just do think, you know, like it's okay. So I guess what I'm saying is I think football player is more of a job <laughs> than uh, MMA fighter. Or boxer. <laughs> because the boxer and the MMA fighter and the NASCAR guys, unless they're already in the professional level where they have all the sponsors and they've made millions of dollars and then they're super famous, they're usually in the hobbyist kind of category where they are sacrificing to be able to do the thing they need to do. Yeah, okay. Yeah. With like with with yeah. team sports. You you try really hard and see if you can get a job in the system that yeah. already is sort of functioning. But with individual sports, it's like comedy, which is this thing that I can't put a fucking word to, which is something about it bothers me, where it's people... Where it's like an impossible bet, honestly. The thing that about because it, it that bothers because me is... Jake, if you think about being like a star football player as a lottery... Then fucking being a star comedian or a star MMA player or a star fucking boxer is like a fraction of that lottery. <laughs> you understand? I mean, like, yeah, there's way less of you. It, there's way less opportunities and w- way less possibility. Well, this is why I get so bummed out with comedians who sort of frame what we're doing as like a job because they're like, yeah. when they start to like project all the politics onto it of like. Well, I have to do this, and and uh, oh, you know, COVID, it's so bad, but but I have to work or whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. or like, you know, d- I can't not work with the fucking rapist comic or the fucking fascist people or whatever because I have to work or whatever. It's like, well, how how long did you bullshit yourself into down this road where you're like, this is. Like, I have to do all this stuff before you got to a situation where, like, you now legitimately might be in a situation where you're saying, well, I can't pay my rent unless I do this or whatever. Because yeah. it seems it sounds like you pursued a fucking hobby for your for 20 years of your life or whatever. And, and it maybe became that. And like that. I yeah. get it. Like, that sucks. But that pursuing it was kind of selfish. And I only call it that because I also that's how I feel about my own doing it, which is why I'm always like, ah, proudly a pizza guy. Like, I don't fucking give a shit about this thing I do. You <sighs> but Jake, know? okay, so this is funny because this ki- this conversation kind of started because you said, like, that it makes you laugh that through this podcast, I have, like, performer anxieties and experiences for the first time that I don't usually have. Yeah. But I actually do have them as a booker sometimes, right? Because what's funny is, like... I have rejected and sabotaged and turned away so many opportunities where what I could have been doing was joining the NFL. You understand me? And I would have made made money and I would have put in a few years and fucking it would have been great. I'm industry. But instead, I was like, no, I don't want to do it this way. I want to do it the way that I want to do it, which means I'm going to fucking put in my own money (laughs) to do my own shows and lose money. (laughs) And so like right now I'm in this place where I like... I'm losing money to do a thing purely as like a hobby, I guess, because I don't get anything out of this other than 
if I'm going to go to a comedy show, I would rather see one that I know is good, that has people on that I would like to see, <laughs> than to just be like, oh, I'll just go to some random place where some person's putting on their friends. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I am, like, I, I feel like I have more knowledge that I, than the average person, and therefore it just doesn't make it okay for me to go see a fucking lineup where I know only two of the six people books are good. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, this is my hobby. Just like I paid $400 for this fucking <laughs> ceramics class, which I want to talk to you about. Yeah. I lose more money doing comedy every week and trying to pay comedians fairly and pay photographers fairly and all that shit than I do taking ha uh, hobby classes or whatever, like ceramics. Therefore, I think that puts me in the category of being like the MMA fighter <laughs> and like the boxer who's like, yeah, I want to do it my way. I think I'm really good at this. <laughs> I think I can make a difference. I think if people will notice me, <laughs> I will pay my own way. I'll find people who support me and then I'll owe them everything. I literally just talked to somebody about maybe like if we get a sponsor for this show. So that means getting like, I don't know, like a beer to pay us to put their logo up and shit like that. Well, how do you think so you any I mean? of like... You know, it always is selling out, dude. Like our this sister podcast, like I, fucking, yeah. I think where that money comes from, you know? Yeah, exactly. Oh, can I tell you something about our sister podcast? I'm yeah. just gonna sneak this in here in the middle. Um, I had a good laugh this week when I was talking to somebody about like how the joke that I made was that the lineup was predictable, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, whatever. I get how some some comics might be offended by that, but I had a comic talk to me about it this week, and he was like, "What's funny about that is like you're completely right." that festival is not really a festival it's more like a music it's more like a conference or like a, a convention of people who have been on the podcast and podcast network and will be in the future yeah that's all it is it's a thing for the fans of a thing that already exists to see the same people who already frequent all the shows <coughs> and shit on that network you yeah, why, I mean? why wouldn't it be? That makes it a convention. If you think about it, Moon Tower <laughs> doesn't function like that. Moon Tower doesn't have 90% the same festival. I mean, I'm sorry, 90% the same lineup from the year before. Well, JFL. Mm, Moon well, Tower is a, it's the, the people that the, three maybe there's like 60%. Of Moon Tower. <laughs> no, I, here's the thing, Louisa. I think yeah. you're right, but I think yeah. that is a valid criticism of most comedy festivals. And, I think that applies no, you're right. to Moon Tower. You're right, because I think it applies to Denver too, probably. No, they're all maybe. bad. Yeah. I honestly yeah. I keep coming back to my friend JT Haberstadt's festival mm -hmm. in that I think he made good Skankfest. Like he he th there are there are a few festivals that are like low like lower fucking um what do you call it, profile where they got sponsors and stuff, but the point of it wasn't to keep growing this like evil fucking thing like uh yeah you can do it you can make a thing i think okay what about limestone let me let me uh put my neck out here limestone comedy festival is a festival i've worked for a couple of years like not recently but you know i've done a few of their years yeah um meaning that i they uh not paid me but i got invited to go to the festival basically for so this is what's funny about the free labor thing, you know, like our sister podcast festival. They made a big deal about the fact that they don't charge comics for um, submissions, right? But then, like, the lineup that is announced right now doesn't include that many people who got that their spots through submissions. 
Right. Got it through like texting or knowing somebody. At least half of it is like, of course, more than half of it. They were on it last year. Eighty-five percent of it, Jake. Yeah. So the the most decent thing you could do is not charge anybody because you're probably going to pick twenty people tops that you're going to add that weren't part of your friend group. You get me? But limestone, I actually had to watch like fucking five hundred clips. I want to say, and they had I think eight, six to eight other people who also were watching the same clips, and we had a spreadsheet where we had to put in our numbers. And ostensibly, the way that they picked people was through like averaging out the highest scores from all of the judges that were watching all of this stuff. That makes sense. And I and I went to the festival several times. And here's what I will tell you: you know, it's in Indianapolis. Wait. Uh, Bloomington. There we go. It's in Bloomington, Indiana. And obviously, like, the local talent, I would say, is usually the same every year because there's not that many fucking comics in Bloomington. What do you want me to fucking tell you? <laughs> so those people get featured over and over. But the headliners changed every year. The uh, middle class of, like, established in one of the Coast Cities comics changes every year. It the submissions seem fair to me. Like you see people like part of the reason that I liked working for limestone was because I got to see people from like North Carolina, from Idaho, from what, you know, like all these fucking random States that don't usually send me tapes that are not talking to me about doing shows in New York. And I got to see what's happening in the middle of the country. So there are festivals where like, yeah, you're paying 20, 25 bucks to get a submission, but there is a real person watching it. And you do have a real possibility of it getting fucking rated well and you getting into the the fucking festival you know yeah and that's what i mean that is a real comedy festival versus something that is and i'm not even saying it's bad but if it's based upon the fact that your entire following listens to your podcast and would like to see all the people who have been on your podcast then obviously your fucking lineup is predictable because all i have to do (laughs) is know who's been on your fucking podcast for the last year no Obviously. Yeah. That's my whole point. <laughs> yeah, I know just what you mean. I just, yeah. I look at those other festivals that are like, yeah. quote unquote, like more legitimate festivals, and I'm like, well, I can predict those fucking lineups too. They're the, even if they're using the methodology you're describing, that yeah. methodology still is going to percolate and bubble up the same fucking hundred people, which are like the liberal comedy Illuminati. And the whole thing comes down to class to me. Like yeah. it's the d- same. It's they made the prop. The reason Skankfest is so fucking popular is because people were angry. People in the industry that do this, that are people that show up to the skate park just because they want to skate and have a dream and think that like this thing might work. They, you know, they get boxed out of those fucking things because they don't have the resources to get out to another festival and they see, you know, Joe Firestone and all those fucking people on every fucking festival and it's like not them. And they go, okay, is there something that's not happening? I'm getting boxed out of this thing. I'm not in the uh, Adult Swim Illuminati or whatever. And so the the thing. But I'm literally here telling you that it is possible, Jake, because not only did I meet you this way, right? Where I fucking went to a festival in another city and I was like, I thought you were very funny and I fucking introduced myself. I have, I don't want to like call them out here, but there are multiple comics who live in New York City right now who came from another city and I had already been in contact with them because I saw their tapes to be yeah. working for a festival. I know, but you're weird and I'm weird. I know, and it's not acceptable that I'm weird. Like, it should be like more people who work quote, in comedy, should be doing this. But systemically, things don't work like this. Like, we're cool because we fucking broke through that system. But, like, what I'm saying about, like, Skankfest is, like, 
the problem with Skankfest is is that it did offer two people who were boxed out of like the quote unquote like legitimate yeah. comedy world. It offered them a like a like a thing that seems like a better option. And that speaks to the failure of society at large that these are your two options because the, the, it's like with Trump shit or whatever, where like people realize that like Democrats are bad. And then it's like, well, you should, upon realizing that the Democrats are bad, form a union and try to overthrow capitalism. Yeah. But mm-hmm. we live in capitalist realism. So th- instead you're like, this, this is a less bad. Option. Somebody so, comes along and offers yeah. you this other thing. And that seems like the only other option to the thing or whatever. Yeah. And precisely the fact that it is attractive is the whole fucking grift with like right wing shit like that. Like it sucks. I understand why people I know do skank fest. Cause it's like, yeah, if you work at a fucking bar every night and you do comedy, you yeah. know, two times a week. Of course you want to go can, to Austin and do a show. Yeah, man. And you, you're not going to yeah. get into fucking Limestone or yeah. the High Plains or whatever. That's for yeah. people that don't have jobs, man. That's for, like, yeah. rich kids that, you know, get to network all day and do Chris Gethard, mm-hmm. Brett Davis shit or whatever, which is not a world I fucking live in. So I understand where those people come from. And... I don't think we're doing ourselves any favors by not addressing that because like those people think that's who we are when we're like, yeah. we're talking about Skankfest or whatever. And we're criticizing. They're like, well, you just must be these rich elites. And it's like, no, 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 no. We're no, where are thing. you people? Yeah, we <laughs> yeah. are you. That's the fucking thing yeah. is like, we're you, but realize that this actually, this thing is like kind of bad. It comes around and bites yeah. you in the ass or whatever, you know, I don't know. <sighs> yeah, I know. I know. Um, it's, I don't know. It's really tough. And I've had to kind of like come to terms with whether I just have a problem with, I don't know what it means to relax. (laughs) Because (laughs) I just finished telling you that I consider comedy, not my job in like a recreational thing. And yet look at how much it stresses me out that I was willing to do a podcast called why you mad with a comedian and be (laughs) about everything, about everything that happened in comedy. Yeah. But, um, then when I had the opportunity to go do something else, I started doing clay throwing. Tell right? me about so it. So let me switch it over <laughs> to this thing. Yeah, yeah. And I'm only like two classes in, and it's like nine. It's a nine-class fucking semester or whatever. And then I also have a studio open hours, so I have to go practice. But the reason I bring it up is because I really fucking suck at it, Jake. I'm really, really bad at it. <laughs> and I thought that I would be good at it because I'm good at other forms of visual arts. And so I just thought that this would be like super easy because it's also like, I don't know. I'd almost seem like an easy, like an infantile sort of art. Like I thought this would be very easy and it's not fucking easy. It's very, very difficult. And then I'm like finding myself, you know, like I take my class on Sundays and I took a class. And then after the class was over, I stayed four hours in the studio trying to perfect the technique because I fucking suck so bad at it. (laughs) And I literally am just like high as fuck. I put on my headphones, I put on a podcast and I'm just sitting there battling this clay (laughs) and like trying to like force it to do the thing I wanted to do. And I just had this like moment where I was like, is this what I think is fun? Just like banging my head against the wall and trying to make things work the way I think they should work because 
I'm starting to sense a pattern here. <laughs> like, is this what I think is fun? Do I need to go to a therapist about this? I don't know. What is fun? Um, Did you have the slip going? What is fun? Yeah, yeah I had keep, the slip going. Keep dipping it's your nice fingers in the slip. <laughs> yeah, man. But listen, it's ghost made it seem way easier yeah, than yeah. it actually is. It's actually extremely hard. You have to use like your entire body weight to like, press on this clay and make it go up and down and and then it just like fucks up if it's not perfectly centered. Yeah. And it's extremely humiliating when it just all crumbles on you. When, <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, I was trying to lift this wall up. And I, I did it, it in maybe, high school. Did yeah. you? You did wheel throwing? Yeah, I was very bad at it. Also, it's really it's difficult. Ve- it's very hard, and <laughs> I kept it looks very to make easy. Bombs and, yeah. Dude, and I have this friend from high school who she's an arts. She's an art teacher now. She's like teaches um, elementary school kids art. And so she saw that I posted that I was doing this wheel throwing shit. And so she was like, you know, I'm going to like fuck with you all the time now and send you excellent videos of like wheel throwing stuff. So now this bitch heckles me by sending me videos of like experts <laughs> doing wheel throwing. And they do these amazing things where they just like raise it to like a three feet feet, three foot tall fucking thing. And they pull it back down. And it's like a dude being like, Ugh. just like mastery over clay. And the clay is like spinning super fast. I'm like, this bitch, I'm never going to be able to do this. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is amazing. And she just laughs. And I'm like, this is great. It's great. I love it. They used to do so, that with a pedal. Not even with like. I know. Not even with actual electricity. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I actually have to like turn mine on and keep my foot off of it, Jake, because this is what's funny. Okay. So I am a sculptor. I was trained as a sculptor in stone. So I get. I totally understand where you have to hit a thing to crack off the part you want to take off to like subtract mass from a thing. I get that. But I've never had to use my feet in making art. You understand me? Wheel throwing, my foot is part of the thing. If it's on the wheel, right? And I'm trying to like force the clay on the wheel to do like a certain motion. All of a sudden, I see that my foot is also pushing down, so it changes the speed on the wheel. So then I'm like, oh, shit, I can't have my foot on the fucking wheel because I don't know how to control my foot while I'm trying to do art. (laughs) Because I've never had to think about my foot while I'm doing art. And it really just... I I think I hadn't made art in uh, maybe like a decade at least, I think. Like, I paint and stuff, but it's very like a hobby kind of thing. But this is the first time I'm learning something new that is very difficult and that I want to be good at. And it just put me in a mind frame of understanding comics when they do shows that are outside of their, like, main thing that they do. You know what I mean? Uh, Or when they do, like, a theme show and they're forced (laughs) to do a specific, or, like, a roast, or, you know what I mean? Like, where you are like, I should be good at this (laughs) because I'm so good at the other thing I do. And I'm so mad that this is not working out the way I thought. But also, it feels like a good day at the gym when you're like working out new muscles and new ways to yeah. use your skills and improving yourself and making yourself like a more well-rounded artist well that right? reminds me of two things right one uh-huh. of them is there's like a metaphor in art of like um there's like an old parable of guy has a pottery class and he gives two he splits his class in two and gives him two assignments one group he says you have six months to create the perfect pot but you can only do it one time like so spend six months making a perfect pot and then the other six the other group he says 
you have six months to create the perfect pot by creating like trying to make a pot over and over and over and over again or i think maybe it's like three months is the difference or something like that like the you know it's confusing because you would think well if you had a year or six months or whatever to make a perfect thing you You would would make it more perfect but the group that had a shorter amount of time but they have the repetition and the ability to fail a bunch of times ends up creating perfect pottery. And that's like, it's supposed to be this lesson about like, this is how art works is you're supposed to fail a bunch of times. And I've been thinking about that a lot because I've been playing this video game called dark souls, which Mm -hmm. if anybody listens as a video game dork, you already know, but like, um, it's video games are interesting because they started off uh, as many different things and um because of the way that market forces have sort of shaped them we have like blockbuster video games now like big big video games like god of war and stuff like that um are basically like a lot of people like complain because it's like oh it's like a movie like it's basically a movie that you click through or whatever and there's like some gamified stuff in it it takes years to make these huge things that become the big flagship title things and then the other side of video games is like these small small things that get put put out really quickly that are like more like the gamified part of it is really interesting so like on nintendo switch there's a lot of like shit that's like it doesn't look as graphically beautiful as like a fucking God of War, but it's like, um, you know, like the just the it's like Tetris or something. You just get addicted to it. Portable and easy to do, yeah. Well, also because the game itself will be like yeah. the the dynamics in it are working really well or whatever. Right? So yeah. in between that, you've got this other thing, which game nerds get really into, which is uh j- this guy who makes them in japan i can't remember his name is but the the director of these they also have directors of things that no one understands in america like they're like movies like so uh dark souls is (laughs) it it looks pretty good it doesn't look as good as the other games um but it it's people like it's video games nerds love it because Essentially, the the point of the game is usually when you play like a little like adventure game where you control a guy and he has a sword and a shield and stuff, you don't die. Like you you yeah. hack through stuff and then you get to the next level and then like a little video happens that explains more of the story. With Dark Souls is fucking hard as shit and it doesn't explain anything, and so you're just dropped into this game alone as this character and you have no idea how to fucking do stuff but you figure it out and so like you literally spend like like i'll spend all night trying to get through like one section of it and like over and over and over like i'm listening to a podcast while i'm doing it because it's so repetitive because i keep dying and then i go back to the restart (laughs) thing and then i'm like okay you kill this guy and then you fucking hack the skeleton's head off and then you get to the next guy promethean fucking (laughs) yeah it's a it's sisyphusian yeah yeah yeah. no sisyphus yes that's what it is sisyphian sisyphian i think yeah (laughs) but it's but like the thing is, like, it, when you die, the screen turns black, and there's red letters that say, you died, and it's, like, devastating, and you're pissed off, and the whole time you're playing it, you're like, god fucking damn it, and people quit. Yeah. People quit, because they're just like, why would anyone fucking play this? It's so devastating. Yeah. It's almost, like, makes you think about, like, Buddhism and, like, reincarnation, like, you're just dying over and over and over again, but the thing is... When you finally beat the thing that you've been staying up all night trying to beat, it's like ecstatic. Like you're like it's there's no better there's no better feeling in all of video games, I think, honestly. Yeah. Like 
It's crazy. Yeah. Like, Absolutely. Is- no, I totally agree with you. And there has to be something about like um, the difficulty of a task being so so fucking like satisfying when you achieve it. Because actually, I thought about like with the clay throwing. You know, I'm in a fucking air conditioning studio where um, my wheel is electric. You know, electric. I go to a fucking thing and I can just pull up clay. But like ancient times, people. They work their asses off to pull the clay out of the literal dirt in the ground. And then they had to, like, use their foot to move the thing to make the fucking thing. So, like, imagine their disappointment <laughs> when their clay, <laughs> when their pod just, like, crumbled in on itself. Yeah. Man. I was just, like, I was, like, thinking, like, oh, shit. Like, when mine crumbles, like, it's cool. I can just toss this and I can go, like, walk over here six feet away and get more clay and start over. <laughs> and it's, like... <laughs> It's not three weeks of work for my whole tribe wasted. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, it's not a shame <laughs> of the world. But at the same time, the other end of that is when I fucking get it to stand and I'm able to do this thing that should have come, I think, almost naturally to all of us because it has like a long history of existing in humanity as knowledge that humans have. Yeah. It is so satisfying that I climbed this mountain, you know, that I like, yeah, that I wasn't defeated by the, like, it's amazing. And I think that that's maybe what capitalism takes away from people sometimes. It's like, if you only define your successes and your failures based on, like, the dollar value that you do and do not achieve for the thing you make, I think you're robbed. Like, getting paid a lot of money for doing a thing does not at all measure up to, I did a thing that I thought I couldn't do. You know what I mean? Like... It's a, the feeling anyway doesn't yeah. equal. Well, you're almost like when you see people cheat. Sometimes they'll yeah. do the thi- they'll, they'll do the they'll do the thing and they'll present it as if, oh, I made a pot. I'm as yeah. smart as someone who made a pot a thousand years ago. Yeah. And you go, no, you're no. not. No, <laughs> you don't know how to get clay out of the ground. Yeah, but you liked the achievement, yeah. of it, right? Which mm-hmm. is weird because, like, video yeah. games or fuck video games, games, or just get gamifying yeah. things like this, which you could even extend to like maybe what we're doing with making hobbies out of stuff. Yeah, that, that doesn't we don't well, like? There's no social need for people to make handmade pots, right? So doing yeah. this is not a job. It's like it's for you like there's something out of it yeah. that you're gonna get out of it so it's gamified in some extent because yeah. the main thing you're getting out of it is your your right. your sense of achievement or whatever self-satisfaction it's yeah kind of interesting because we don't often think about like why you do any we of this do hobbies. it's just yeah, you just go exactly. it's this abstract concept called fun you know but like but is that not what we should be pursuing i know it is i think it is that's why i think I modern think life is. is pretty cool you know Totally. I was talking to somebody today about um, the fact that uh, I bought somebody a housewarming gift, right? And it is his first gift. Well, okay. It's a gift for this person's first apartment after their divorce. And I think they've never lived alone. So, like, you can imagine a person who's had, like, went from family to roommates to married, right? Yeah. And then now they're having their first, it's their solo apartment. And I sent them a housewarming gift. And in the note that I wrote, I was like, I think we do need to, like, take a minute to celebrate that this idea of having your own space that belongs only to you is extremely modern and rare and recent. Like, humans before this generation, I think, did not have 
that as an, a goal or as a possibility. Literally everything is about communal and sharing space and surviving through being part of a, a whole in all of this. So although individualism is extremely toxic and terrible in a lot of ways and it's actually <laughs> contributing to destroying society, there are these like glimmers of experiences that are unique to our current life, such as the first time that you own a space, Jake. Like, I can't explain that to people who have never had it, but like, just knowing that like nobody will ever walk in to your space. You own this whole thing. This is yours. It's comfortable. And you get to make it look however you want and keep it as clean or dirty as you want. And it's just a reflection on you and how much you care about yourself and your space. It's an entirely different experience of the self and the space that you inhabit than the way that you experience space when it's shared with other people, which is also good. And there's a lot of great things there. I am just saying, I'm just trying to point out that the living alone thing is extremely rare in you. And it is something to be reveled in if you have access to this. You know, like, I don't know. I think we live in this time where, like, people want to, like, frame incels and shit like that as, like, poisonous. <laughs> like, a bad thing. <laughs> and I think Bachelors previously was that also. Yeah. Like, it's... You weren't supposed to be one. Yeah. Yeah, you're not supposed upon. to be that because it's a threat to the social order. But I think we're entering a space or a time now in which... A lot of people um, are recognizing that they don't actually need all these connections or these like social depend codependencies in the way that we used to. And there are complications to those ideas. But the fact that we can just in, like have our own space, that is very new and we should revel in it. Like, we come from generations upon generations of people fucking in a barn while their grandmother could hear them. <laughs> you know? So. Yeah, well, we. Enjoy the privacy that we earned after all these generations of sacrifice. But it's weird, though, that we enjoy it by, like, hearkening back and going over yeah. the pot. Or, like, I guess the, the parallel I was trying to draw with Dark Souls is, like, video games don't need to be as hard as Dark Souls. They used to be. When yeah. you when technology wasn't as good, when like you had a Nintendo and then if you ran out of lives, you literally just had to reset it. It was yeah. frustrating. And they stopped being like that and then Dark Souls like came along and was like, you want to still do that? Like what if it's that hard again? Yeah. And it like sort of like became refreshing to people. So there's like weird kind of um uh like vacation that you take in your head when you do stuff like that but um but also okay so to to talk to something else you're talking about where like we're talking about like living in new worlds and trying to accept living in like yeah like in new the, frameworks in that the, are just new yeah yeah like the new frameworks that we've like carved out like historically yeah. in the sense that like what is the term like um we're living on the shoulders of giants you know like yeah you can't live like someone lived in the 70s right now you, you can role play but like you can't because society fucking moves and you're yeah. part of it and then you, okay so now i live in a 2021 sort of world and yeah. you know i have a smartphone and all this stuff so it's interesting it's there's another extent to which beyond choosing to live either modernly or, or trad or, or trying to have yeah. control over this sort of stuff. There's also art that like 
deals with the fact that you have powerlessly been thrust into these situations. That's really interesting. And a good example of it is this game I've been playing that uh, this uh, this chicken LA who's like a rapper and a game developer and an animator and like 10 different things made. It's really cool. Her name's Felicia G. She's a rapper. I played her musical motion on PDA a while cool. back. Yeah. She, she made a video. Hi, Felicia. <laughs> Hi. I think she listens to the show. So yeah. hi. But yeah. I, uh, I've been playing it. I'm fascinated with it because, um, is it a PC game then or what? So here's what it is, right? Um, yeah, you have to download it on like your PC, which is kind okay. of throwback even. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, to as a thing right and um yeah people don't really play games like that anymore so it's kind of yeah. interesting from the get-go right so what's going on with it is um did you ever go on like newgrounds.com when you were a kid no so it was more yeah. of a guy thing i think yeah but with like millennials there was teen internet culture that was like edge lordy and really depraved and weird and so like if you were a kid when I was growing up, you know, you were like 13, 14, 15, you'd go see all the weird cringe sites and the weird, like, gore sites and stuff. You go to this website called Newgrounds, and this is where basically people that were young game developers uh, who couldn't make, like, a Flash game and sell it to Nintendo or whatever would make it and put it on Newgrounds, and you would make, like, um, you know, just like, there were, like, for example, like, there was a really good game that was like a school shooting video game. You can't sell yeah. that. But you can put it on this website, and it's like kind <laughs> and of people play it. Yeah, it was edgy. It was fucking weird, you know. And it was like you're playing as like. Do you, the, wait, wait, wait. Is are you playing as a shooter? Or are you yeah, playing as the kids? it was like you're shit like as that. Shooter? It was, oh my god. It was like across the line, you know, Harsh, yeah. or like weird horror yeah. stuff. And then there were also these video games called dating simulators that were really funny because it was definitely like Intel guys that were making them because. Um, what they were is that they, you know, they looked like they looked like anime characters and stuff. And all it would be was that like you're the character, and then you're walking up to these like women characters, and you would get um, confronted with like a like four different choices of a thing to say to, to the person. Say to the woman, and then the video <laughs> game is that you pick things to say, and it's like, well, if you <laughs> if you buttered her up correctly, or if you she would have been whatever, nice to you, eventually, yeah. But instead, you're a piece of shit. Yeah. But it's like it depends how you play yeah. the game. So you can win, and if you win, she takes her clothes off. But it's like still a fucking MS Paint, <laughs> you know, like a cartoon character. You're like, oh, I'm fucking her now, or whatever. But if you lose, yeah. it's like you get turned down, and the game over, or whatever. This is really fun. It's a really funny byproduct of a specific time in a generation's, like, progress, right? That, like, people would make this thing that was, like, but so... it's extremely problematic. Oh, they were, like, well, they were horrible. Gamifying, <laughs> say the right thing to get laid. Yeah, they were horrible. I mean, this is stuff that, like, teenage yeah. guys were making, right? And it was... But it was weird, because, like, this is where, like, the fucking, like, split happened, where, like, inter the guys went down internet wormholes thinking about like how to get laid in ways that it became eventually school yeah. shootery and stuff and like terrifying right before that i think i think like in the 80s or something like that if you were a guy you didn't know how to get laid you just didn't know and then you just lived your life and then i don't know you met somebody eventually or whatever but they were like the internet created this vacuum to where people could think about sort of stuff like this right so so what so this chick Felicia G made a video game called Nightmare Temptation Academy and it's very funny cuz it came out like a year ago but it's a it's a throwback genre so it's a dating simulator yeah but it came out last year 
And it's really funny because at first you start playing it and you go, what the fuck? Why would somebody make a dating simulator in the year 2020? But then the the premise of the game, it's all very like adult swim, avant-garde, weird, like surreal. um, There's like a lot of like, she she wrote the soundtrack to the entire thing. So it's, it's also ostensibly like her album. Like she made an album of music that's like worked into it. And then it's a video game. And it's also like kind of a multimedia thing, but like, so (laughs) So the premise of it, let me, let me get this out. The premise, yeah, the, the premise of it is you're playing as a her, and everyone in this high school is also like not they're half animal, half human. Sorry if the furry shit keeps coming up in the podcast. It's a coincidence, <laughs> but they're like there's these weird. Why you mad is a pro furry podcast. <laughs> yeah. There's weird like half animal, half human people, and and um the premise they're called primals they're called primals <laughs> and the premise of it is that you're one of the last high schools on earth because high schools keep getting destroyed as the universe is ending and like um i don't know like these whatever something keeps happening and, and so you're in this dystopian futuristic high school and in the dystopian futuristic high school you're a teenager and there's no teacher. You just go into a classroom and there's this helmet that comes down and just shocks like horrible 1984 shit into your head. And all the <laughs> stuff that it shocks into your head is like, you're like girl in the fucking game. So it's just like, don't show your legs and like, you know, get married and all. It's like trad stuff or whatever. I love it. It's so funny. It. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. So you're in this high school and you're like, that's fucking weird. And then you have a friend who figured out how to hack the helmets and get you out of it. And then you start talking to the four other characters in the game. And then it becomes a dating simulator where you're trying to like talk to them and ostensibly like, I don't know, do whatever you want to do. It doesn't really tell yeah. you what you're trying to do. But what's really interesting about it is that instead of setting it up in a way where it's like your goal seems to be to try to fuck these people, which you can if you want. Yeah. It's um, it's about the inner world and the outer world, I think, because it's a binary. So every time you talk to somebody, there are two choices. So you're talking to this guy. And like the character, you can tell she wants to, she's, she wants to fuck him. Like she's horny for him. And so she has like one option to say, which is, hi, Chad, you look really good today. And then the second <laughs> option is like, dude, just fuck me already. And it's like, oh, no. So, so you're working through trying to deal with this person's like, decision of like do i interact with society as it wants me to present myself or do i let out all these things that i have in me and like thematically through the game there's all this creepy edgy stuff there's like furry stuff there's weird sex shit and there's like fucking yeah. school shootery shit and it's like on purpose the games advertises so it's like an edgy game or whatever and so i think that what she's saying with the game is like it's a metaphor about millennials because millennials, as we've talked about, Xennials or whatever, wherever you want to put the age limit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First, no, I'm the old millennial. Geriatric millennial, apparently, <laughs> is a new term for me. But it's Go about on. being the first yeah. generation that grew up yeah. with the internet and how it yeah. rotted your fucking brain in ways yeah, that yeah. previous generations couldn't understand. And so, like, what's funny is, like, if you... Take a show like The Wonder Years from like the 80s. Yeah. It's about adolescence, right? It's yeah. so... They fun. will not get adolescents who are in the internet times. No, yeah. it's vanilla. It's like pe- old people watch that and go, that's what it was like when I was a teenager, yeah. right? But for like people our age, like this is kind of what it was like when you were a teenager, which is like 
being just shocked and awed with all the craziest shit ever and then sort of yeah. trying to like navigate that you're like faces of death <laughs> yeah. all you remember this shit yeah dude yeah dude it was all about media fucking you up like it was like literally like oh the generation gen x before us was like we found porn in the woods and it's like yeah bitch the woods are everywhere for us <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we are in the woods all the time even when we're in our bedroom they're in our fucking computer in our phone line we've got um i will just say i am pretty proud of us because i do think we're probably the only podcast that touches upon mma and art and internet <laughs> culture <laughs> in one place we like the soft boys that listen to it or watch mma yeah uh we're cross we're cross-cultural in a way i would like you to go and get Jake, would it be inappropriate if we got like couples tattoos? Like, I know we're not a couple. <laughs> no. But we could, we could go to an Asian place and get like a couple's tattoo and then we're in the same room. Well, I mean, we should get matching tattoos, but that's not a couple. Let's get mat. No, let's get matching tattoos. I have matching tattoos with my best friend. We'll, we should get matching tattoos. I've got tons of matching tattoos just with friends of mine. With just random people. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Connect (laughs) with all the people you can. Let's get a matching tattoo. Yeah. But. I think, okay, next week, we're going to do a fucking couple's massage. So we get, we're just in the same room making sex noises while little tiny Asian ladies put their elbows <laughs> into our necks. Yeah? Yeah, That we sounds like it. a fun hang, yeah? Yeah, let's okay, go get massages. That sounds cool. Yeah, let's do it. We'll tell people about how we came at the hands of tiny Asian ladies beating us <laughs> the fuck up. Um... Chinatown, $45 each. Yeah. Hit me up if you need to. And then we'll get tattoos. And then maybe yeah. get uh, Manny <laughs> Petties, you know? <laughs> this is what we should I, do with the Patreon money. Yes, man. Listen, <laughs> I want you to treat yourself. We should be enjoying our life. I don't believe in an afterlife. We gotta enjoy our life right now. Uh, but yeah, no, okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow up about this couple's massage, but I think we should end it here. I am not gonna do a Patreon episode because I'm too drunk. But... <laughs> Me too. Soon. We will do a Patreon episode. Maybe tomorrow? Let's do a Patreon episode tomorrow? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, anything to plug? Oh, I do want to plug um, Casual Sets, the show that I previously mentioned that I'm losing a lot of money on. <laughs> it's very fun. It's a small show. And it's, as it's called, it's Casual Sets. It's comics that I like. who have full freedom to try new things and have a good time. And the next one is August 12th. Um, Jake is on it. The uh, the rest of the lineup is also very good. Uh, come by if you're in New York. You know what I found out? Um, the reason we can't live stream it is because there's that whole like shortage of chips for cameras. Have you heard about that? No. Because uh, the lithium, like the whole reason we're attacking the country is they have lithium. Oh shit. right, the reason they're yeah. gonna overthrow Bolivia yeah, yeah, yeah. and shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is because we have a shortage of chips. So all the cameras for webcasting are on back order. So the venue is like, we can't get a camera, but if you bring your own camera, you can live, you can like webcast your fucking thing. And I'm like, I'm not going to bring my own camera. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. So anyway, uh, support that if you're in New York City. Sorry, everybody that's not, but when we get, when we get control of a country that has lithium, (laughs) we will start web, webcasting the show. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What are you plugging? Um, my tour. Yeah. Oh, it's still happening. I I guess it's still happening. Yeah, maybe it won't. I don't know. Delta Dude, variant. Delta. I know. Out, but, um, yeah. So I guess <laughs> ostensibly, me and 
Avery Moore going from Houston, Austin, San Antonio, Oklahoma City, Fort Worth, Albuquerque, Santa Fe, possibly El Paso, Las Vegas, Phoenix, and L.A. Not in that order. I fucked the order up. But if you're in any of those cities, uh, my pinned tweet has all the information. And I love that. I'm going to find one of those cities to go meet you at just to hang out for <laughs> weekend or whatever. I'm going to pick a good one. Come to Vegas. I'm uh, just going to hang out in Vegas for a while. Vegas. That sounds cool. I've never been there. I'm going to do Maybe that's that's the one to do. Vegas Will you go to a buffet with me during a pandemic? Yes. That is all there is to do in Vegas is gamble <laughs> and go to buffets. Yes. Okay, uh, write us an email also. That's the last plug. Um, whyyoumadpod at gmail.com. We love you. Bye. Bye.